Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join special guest Bill Jenkins as he teaches from the Word of God. Our life is in His hand. I'm supposed to speak for a moment so they can get the voice regulated, so I'm rising to a point of personal privilege. Your Bible says that our God is a God of great gifts, and 46 years ago today, He placed a great gift in my life. Linda Jenkins, happy anniversary! From the river of life, I'll see you for lunch. If you have studied your Bible very much, you understand that there are Old and New Testament passages that uh, are passages that parallel. Uh, for instance, First uh, Corinthians chapter 10 is a brief accounting of the delivery of Israel out of bondage of Egypt. Uh, so also is Psalms 78. These two passages parallel. It's interesting in reading 1 Corinthians 10 and verse number 11 in light of our message this morning. And I've got it on the board for you. This is what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now all of these things, talking about what has happened in verses 1 through 10, happened unto them for examples. And they are written for our admonition. The NIV says warnings. The New English Version says instructions. The New Living Translation says to warn. You get the idea. These things have been written uh, for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world has come. So we see that the things God did for and to Israel are to be studied for instructions as what God will do and not do, especially by one specific group of people those upon whom the ends of the world has come. So if you will please this morning, take your Bible and turn to Psalms, the 78th chapter. And we're going to be looking this morning in verse number 19 to begin with. But then we're going to be asking and answering perhaps uh, uh, several questions. As you turn and read verse number 19, the Bible says, We learn that the people of God are facing starvation in the wilderness. And that they're crying out to God. Verse 19 says uh, that, that uh, yea, they spake against God. And they said, God, uh, can you furnish a table in the wilderness? Now, this is not a small task. Feeding two or three million people takes a lot of food. During the Second World War, the quartermaster general of the army uh, evidently had a lot of time on his hands. He calculated what it would take for Moses to feed this group of Israelites. And according to his calculations, it would take around 1,500 tons of food every day. That's 365 days a year. To feed the Israelites, he estimated that it would take 10 freight trains with 30 boxcars each just to deliver the manna for one day. Oh, oh, yes, they would have to have water. And if they only had enough to just drink and cook and wash a few dishes, it would take 11 million gallons of water every day. 
That's a freight train with, three, with tank cars that would be three miles long. This just to bring the water. And this has to be done every day for 40 years. Now many people would just dismiss this as rhetoric, assuming that the feat of feeding Israel would be impossible. But then they forget who our God is. In Genesis chapter number 1, he is the God who speaks, and all of the world and known existence comes into being. In Exodus chapter 14, he opens the Red Sea, allows Israel to cross across on dry ground, and then when Pharaoh and his armies try to pursue, he drowns them with the very same water. He's the God in Joshua chapter 10 who speaks to the sun and to the moon and tells them to stop in their orbits and they do so. No wonder Paul would write in Ephesians chapter 3 concerning our God in verse number 20. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Our Bible is filled with stories. How God has worked in super miraculous ways in the lives of his people. Stories about David and the giant, Daniel and the lion's den, Noah and the flood. All of these are written for our learning. Look, if you will, in Psalm 78 one more time. There's a mandate that I want us to look at real quick in the beginning verses of this chapter. Beginning in verse number 3, speaking about what God has done, he says, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. His strength, his wonderful works that he hath done. For he has established a testimony in Jacob. He's appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, make them known to their children. Why? That the generation to come may know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them unto their children, that they might set their hope in God. Today, we need to be understanding and teaching our children and our grandchildren that the answers to the problems that this nation, this world, this community, this church is facing can only be found in God. He is the one that is sovereign. He's the one that has the answer to all of the questions. And you and I need to be taking the opportunity that is afforded us during these days of isolation and turning to the Word of God as never before. I believe we need a revival in believing this old book, the inspired Word of God for every day of our lives. I'm reminded of a story told by the late W.A. Criswell, pastor of the First Baptist Church, of Dallas, Texas. He shared that there were two mischievous boys who got a hold of the pastor's Bible and they glued some of the pages together. Unbeknownst to the pastor, uh, he went to the pulpit with his Bible and he opened the Bible and uh, began to get ready to preach and he read his scripture for the sermon. And this is what he read. In those days, Noah took a wife unto himself. And then he turned what he thought was one page 
and continued to read. And she was 15 cubits broad and 35 cubits long and made out of gopher wood, daubed inside and out with pitch. <laughs> the pastor closed his Bibles and said, Brothers and sisters, that's the first time I've ever read the Word of God like that. But if it's in the book, I believe the book. It brings a whole new meaning to the verse fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Dr. H.B. Charles Jr. over in Jacksonville wrote this. He said, it is the will of God to have the Spirit of God use the Word of God to make the children of God look like the Son of God. I believe that. Amen. So here's the question for our hour. Today, in the midst of all of our problems and despairs and questions and all of our uneasiness, can God really be the answer? Can God still do what He once did? Can we still have a hope in a God who can do all things? Can I believe the Word of God in this day? From Psalms, the 78th chapter, which records at least 17 different miraculous miracles of God that He did to deliver His people, I hope to answer perhaps three questions this morning. The first question is this. Can God still provide for my needs? Verse number 19 asks the question the people of God had upon their heart. They said, can God prepare a table for His people here in the wilderness? God had let them out. God had brought them through miraculously the Red Sea to the mountain of God. And now they're there in the wilderness and they're, they're hungry. And they want to know, is God really God? Your Bible records in Psalm 78 and verse number 20, Behold, He smote the rock, and the waters gushed out. The streams overflowed. Can He give bread also? Can He provide flesh for His people? The answer, verse 24 through 29, And they rained down manna unto them to eat, and had given them of the corn of heaven. Man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. He caused an east wind to blow into heaven, and by his power he brought the south wind. He rained flesh upon all of them as dust, and he feathered fowls like the sand of the sea. He let it all fall in the midst of their camp and round about their habitation. So they did eat and were well filled, for he gave them of their own desire. I'd like to say to you this morning that what God has done, He'll do again. He is no respecter of persons. Acts chapter 10, verse number 34 tells us that. And He is not old, weak, or feeble. In Jeremiah 32, verse number 27, God asked the people of that day, is there anything too hard for God? And the answer, of course, inequivocally, is no. Our God is the God who can save a man's soul. That's his greatest work and our greatest need. Our God can satisfy the longing soul crying out in these days of isolation. He even challenges us. I love it. When God speaks to his people, Malachi 3, verses 10, he says, Bring you all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessing, there shall not be room enough to receive it. He's our God. 
not only does he issue a challenge, but he also issues a claim. In Luke chapter 6 and verse number 36, he says, Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you measure out, so shall it be measured to you again. And then the declaration of certainty found in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 19. The Bible says, but my God shall supply all, say that with me, all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Can God really provide for what I need? Yes. 10,000 times 10,000, yes. He's God. And beside him, there is no other. The second question is this this morning. Well, can God guide his people to better days? Psalm 78 again, and verse number 12. The Bible says, Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers, in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zon. He divided the sea. He caused them to pass through. He made the water stand up as a heap. In the daytime also, he led them with a cloud and all the night with a light of fire. My God is a God who is constantly guiding and rearranging and ordering things and circumstances in my life to make me what he wants me to be and to take me where he needs, where he knows I need to be. Many times the Israelites would have gone back into bondage in Egypt they would have stopped by the wells of Elam where there were 72 palm trees. Yet God knew a place, a place that none of them had ever been to before, a place that none of them had ever seen, a place of blessing that they would never see unless they followed Him. And so the Word of God says, He led them in the midst of all that is going on in our world. This truth stands supreme. God is in control. He has a plan, and nothing can derail his plan. The promise of a holy God is that he will send his Holy Spirit, John 16, to guide you, and he will never leave you, Hebrews 13. You are the sheep of his pasture, John chapter 10, and he knows the path that you take. He's God, and he still can. I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will direct your path. Lastly, this morning, the third question. Some of you are watching and you're perhaps questioning the ability of God because you've done some things that you know you shouldn't have done. You've been involved in some things that you shouldn't have been involved in. And your question today is not whether or not God can provide for your needs or, or not whether or not God can guide you where you need to be, but your question is, can God really forgive somebody like me? Somebody that has committed a great sin. God, again, from Psalm 78, verse number 38 and 39, the Bible says, speaking of our God, but he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquities and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time he turned his anger away. 
And he did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered (laughs) that they were but flesh, a wind passing away and coming not again. I'd say to you this morning that there are two immutable facts about sin. Number one, we are all great sinners. No one is perfect. All have come short of the glory of God. All men have sinned. There is none righteous, no, not one. But secondly and quickly, not only are we all great sinners, but we all have access to a Savior who is greater than all our sin. Our God is big on forgiveness. He's big on recovery. His son was given as a sacrifice to prove his love and forgiveness to fallen man. I think of the woman at the well in John, the fourth chapter. As far as man was concerned, she was a throwaway. Her choices in life had led her to be distraught and destroyed. Yet Jesus came to where she was, forgave her sin, and created new life in her. I think of that woman in John the 8th chapter taken in the very act of adultery, guilty with no defense. Yet Jesus forgave her and gave her new life. You say, preacher, you just just don't know what I've done, where, where I've been, who I've been with. No, I don't. But God does. And God says this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. God says, come unto me, though your sin be as scarlet, I'll wash you whiter than snow. God says, come unto me, no one is turned away, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 1 John 1, 7, the word of God says, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sin. 1 John 1, 9, the Bible says that we confess our sin. He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Adrian Rogers, this last week in his uh, radio uh, messages, told of receiving a letter from a man who had gotten saved late in life. He had found salvation and forgiveness for a wasted life while listening to Dr. Rogers' radio program, and he had written the letter to let Dr. Rogers know that his life had changed over four years ago, that he had been busy studying the Word of God and leading others to Jesus Christ. And he just wanted to thank Brother Rogers for preaching the gospel and for his salvation. And by the way, the man was on death row in Louisiana's state penitentiary. God can reach even into the darkest hell and raise up those who have fallen. He is a God who majors in expressing his love to fallen man. Well, preacher, you say, if I, if I could just believe that, if I could just believe he can meet my need or lead me into better days or forgive my sin, then, 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 then Jesus said on more than one occasion, according to your faith, be it unto you. If you can believe, you can receive. 
Ephesians 2.8 is my life verse. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God. Matthew chapter 21, verse number 21. The Bible says, if you have faith and doubt not, you can say unto this mountain, be you removed into the sea, and it shall be done. Some of you are facing mountains of sin. Some of you are facing mountains of, of, of social interaction where you cannot go out like you once could. You could not be involved in things like you once could. Some of you are facing depression. Some of you are facing financial anxieties. Are you going to have a job? Are you going to be able to pay the bills? Some of you are worried about things like toilet paper. <laughs> but I want you to know I know a God who can move mountains. A God who's able to go further than what we've ever been before. A God who looks back on our tomorrows. Amen. Can God provide a table in the wilderness? The Bible says in verse number 72 of this chapter, it's the last verse. Please read it with me. The Bible says, so he fed them. According to the integrity of his heart, he guided them. By the skillfulness of his hands. Can God provide a table for his people in the wilderness? Yes. Can God lead us to a better day? Yes. He is both author and finisher of our faith. Can God forgive my sin and change my life forever? Yes. For whosoever. That means me. That means you. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. In just a moment, several numbers are going to appear on the screen for you to call. I want you to call now. Don't let the devil talk you out of calling. There's a way and there's a hope for this day. And it is Jesus Christ. I believe the Word of God. Father, thank you for this privilege. Thank Brother Henry and this church for allowing me to stand in this pulpit. But God, more than anything else, I thank you for the assurance of your word that would cry out to a hungry, thirsty, dying people and say, believe in me. I am the answer for this hour. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your blessings. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.